Welcome to these bonus episodes of the Test Him podcast. Test Him Stories is about getting men to come and chat with us about their fertility stories. We hope by sharing men's experiences, it will help more men feel confident to talk openly about the real truths of fertility as a man. We've got some incredibly open and honest conversations for you to listen to. We hope you enjoy these and that it opens up your mind and helps more people get a proper understanding of what fertility is truly like for a man. So Jackie, welcome. Welcome to the Test Him, uh, Test Him Stories podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's it's my pleasure. It's um, it's great to have seen your journey for the last maybe probably a couple of years now almost coming up just two years since we met. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been interesting to see your journey and how you guys are cracking on with the test tim stuff so i know it's, it's really good to see your progression and i'm happy to be a part of it for sure just to give guys some context if you listen to this me and jackie have known each other for a couple of years haven't we uh been there to kind of support you and your partner on, on your journey kind of to this point and um yeah so it's really nice to, to have you on here to to share you know what it's what it's been like for you so um what has the story been? So I'll, I'll go. I'll go from the very beginning. Actually, so it was in lockdown, March twenty. I think it was March twenty twenty. Um, mm-hmm. We were in the we're in, in a bit of a turmoil with regards regards to my career. I was a DJ at the time. Didn't leave the lead the healthiest life, uh, to put it lightly. Um, so I wasn't really, you know, let's say, looking after myself as well as I could could have been for for many years with the late nights and the traveling, the jet lag, and all that stuff. So obviously that had an effect on me. But I didn't really think about it when you're young, when you're in your twenties. Mm. You just, you just, I'm young. I can party. I'll, I'll, I'll. You're I'll invincible, aren't you? Yeah, you're invincible, right? Uh, then I think I was maybe 30, 31 um, when when lockdown happened, um, and me and Eleanor were thinking, you know what, this is probably a good time to maybe start trying. Um, we've got this time we can kind of you know look at start looking after ourselves a little bit better we've got we've got yeah we've got more time on our hands so let's let's start making a move with this so eleanor came off the um off the contraception pill march 2020 and we assumed because of the stories we'd heard that you know you come off the pill and then that's great a month or two later it might take a couple of months but a couple of months and then her body will go back to normal and then we'll just have a baby and it'll be great well Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case, and it didn't materialize that way. Um, we we tried for, I would probably say, it was up to. Did we meet in September twenty one? Was it around August September twenty twenty one? I believe. So we'd mm-hmm. been trying for maybe fifteen sixteen months. We'd um, we just yeah just bash our heads against the wall for so long. Um, Eleanor had been, I think, sixteen months in. She said we need to try and look at something else because. It isn't always the blame with the women. It isn't always the women's issue. It could potentially be the men. And I was like, what? That's like, this isn't something that men are um, educated on. That we no. don't really know unless you've heard stories from friends, which I hadn't. Um, it's all, it all, the burden always seems to lie with the women. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let's just do these tests and I'll be, I'll be given a clean bill of health and we can we'll go back to the drawing board. Um, with regards to how Eleanor and her body is going, you know, what's going on with her body. Anyway, we met you in August or September 21, um, and we did my first, so I did a semen analysis and I did my first fragmentation test. Mm-hmm. And it came back, as you know, it came back um, not so not so bright. It was, the, the results were quite daunting. I think when we had our conversation, the first, the first line that came out of your mouth was, I don't want you to panic. 
Um, <laughs> was that what I said? Well, <laughs> I know I don't want you. Know, it wasn't something like this. I don't. I don't want you to get too um, upset or something along those lines. And I was straight away like, "Oh well, you know, well, let's see." And then it, the, the the as it as it as it happened, my fragmentation was quite high. Now at mm. this point, I hadn't really even heard of fragmentation. I did the fragmentation test, but even at that point, Ian, I wasn't convinced that this was an issue because, as I mm. said before. We don't know anything about this stuff, you know. We, we we were told. I think I might have done a semen analysis test, and all the results were great. This is the reason we came to you. But the normal forms was really low. But it was one thing: yeah. the semen analysis test. And I remember that the the lady that I spoke to, I think it was my GP where where I used to live. She said, "Oh, don't worry about it. You only need one sperm. You only need one sperm to be to to, to become pregnant." And, so I, was, I just discarded this normal forms result on the semen analysis until I came to you. We did the fragmentation and you explained that that can have a, a serious impact. So that let's, let's try and think of some ways in which we can improve these results. Um, mm-hmm. And again, and still at that point, I was I knew I could hear what you were saying, but I wasn't really convinced because I was focusing so much on the other great results from my analysis that the normal yeah. forms and the, the defragmentation I, I was kind of, I was maybe trying, it was my maybe cognitive dissonance. I was just trying to like ignore it. Um, but I mean, I'm fast forwarding to now, my results have improved drastically, but a lot of that's come down to lifestyle choice. So as I mentioned before, I was a DJ, I was leading you know, quite a, um, a party heavy lifestyle. And since lockdown, mm. I've changed my career and I work in finance. I've I work from home. I go to the gym every. I do something every day, at least thirty minutes of exercise a day. I eat well. I eat health, whole foods. All these things have changed in my lifestyle, and with your help and guidance, which has been amazing, Ian. And I, I know I say this to you all the time, um, but we really appreciate your support through this. With your guidance and help, I've managed to now. I think two months ago, I had another fragmentation test, and my results have improved drastically over the last two Fantastic. two years. Oh, it's just it just shows, doesn't it? It just, yeah, it just shows how important the important life, how important lifestyle stuff is. Massively, and it's really, it's really interesting to see the progression because I didn't, I didn't just have one when we met and have one a couple of months ago. I've had two or three in the, or I've had three or I think it's three in total. So I had one in the middle, and then yeah. I had, and then I maybe had one six months ago, and then one two months ago. So I've seen the natural progression, and those numbers have been tweaking in my favor each time. And as yeah. time's gone on, I'm moving further and further away of that unhealthy lifestyle you used to lead. So I can't stress enough how how important it is to look after your body. As men, we think that it's always the women. That's the reason we can't have a child. It's 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 yeah. absolutely not. It's a myth. And and what so what you guys doing here with Test Tim is just I think it's so important because what I've been through the last we've been trying for three years now, just over three years. If I'd known about this, I'd been educated on this at a younger age. I might have changed some of my ways. I might have been able to, you know, do some of this when I was younger. I'm thirty. I'm thirty-four now. It would have been nice if I'd known this when I was a little bit younger. Obviously, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But with what you're doing, trying to bring awareness to this, um, I just think it's so important. So, um, oh, yeah, that's nice. that's kind of my journey. For, that's obviously a very long story short, but yeah, for people. Yeah. Who yeah. But it's, it, it's interesting, is it kind of that you're saying towards yeah. the beginning there that you know, your partner, Eleanor, was saying, look, let's go get these extra tests done or, or let's go and do some, some more investigations. And you're in some ways the kind of typical bloke in thinking, well, yeah, all right then, well, I'll go and do it, but it can't be me, yeah. you yeah. know? <laughs> it's kind yeah. 
it was, it was cognitive dissonance. It was almost it, it was it wasn't it wasn't that I was laughing or like shrugging it off, but it's it was purely because I I was uneducated and uninformed. We mm. we you might hear like I said before, you might hear stories about it might have been the man or the man went to get a test and it was this and then they did this and had a baby. But it was it was very rare. Those stories were so rare. I think whether there's a um what's the word? Like a um, taboo around talking about it when it comes to men, whether it's a machoism thing or just males don't want to talk about this openly. Whether that's still a thing, possibly is. But I just did not believe that, that this was this could potentially be something to do with me. Um, so, so yeah, I think it was it was me just trying to convince myself that it could possibly be me. It has to be Eleanor, but it's just not. Yeah, yeah. but but you're, you're you're absolutely spot on there because it is it is this uh, shameful societal belief that it is a female issue and which is exactly you know why we're doing what we're doing why you know you sharing your story now is so powerful is the more men we can get to share their stories to make other men realize that it could be them and it's just as likely to be them as it is the woman then hopefully we can begin to change things but you know you're you're not unusual i don't think in, in that sense that you didn't really you know you didn't think it was you you kind of had no reason to believe it was you and you didn't know any different yeah. um and kind of so let's go to that moment. So you've done your semen analysis yeah. and like say your kind of morphology was or your normal forms were kind of suboptimal. Um, but you know, your GP had said, don't worry about it. Yeah. So, so the, the first analysis I did, which was before I came to see you. And this is the reason we actually came to see you because that was the one number that Eleanor, I, I just didn't, again, I didn't know enough about it, but Eleanor had gone and done the research, you know, fair play. Eleanor's done all of this at the start in regards to investigation you know finding new avenues to go down just like what we we're talking about before i'll come on to that in a little bit about the natural killer cells but um with regards to um the the test that i had was i think it was one percent or was it under one percent there's like a little mm-hmm. that little thing that says one to one so the normal forms for me originally was under one percent which um i think the, the in the brackets it said average between four to fifteen or five to fifteen, which was like the normal or average yeah. in, me, in most men. So that was quite unusual. But again, I just shrugged it off. So when I spoke to the GP, um, local GP here, where Eleanor was seeing just on the NHS, she 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 didn't shrug it off. She did she did um, speak to us about it, but it was very vague and mm-hmm. it was very much along the lines of. Well, like I said before, like you, you only need one sperm to to get pregnant, so um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It was the words she used. I wouldn't worry yeah. too much about it. So I think again that probably um, was a catalyst in my cognitive dissonance because I had a GP, I had a professional mm. on the NHS telling me that I don't need to worry about it. Now, when a doctor tells you not to worry about something. You take that professional's advice as gospel. Yeah. You think, oh, okay, great. And that's maybe give me like, oh, God, this is great. Like, she's just ruled me out. It's back on Eleanor. Like, not, not in a nasty, not in a kind of conniving way, but almost like, almost a relief. Like, oh, I can relax now. You know, this is this is not something that I need to deal with. I don't need to change anything that I'm doing. I can keep doing what I'm doing. I, at that point, I was probably still not heavily drinking, but still drinking alcohol. And that's mm. what I So I was thinking, Oh, I've kind of got away with scot free here. Like that, I'm sweet. But um, obviously, as we discovered, it, it wasn't the case yeah. at all. 
I think that's a really interesting point, actually, that your point, you know, that you're bringing up there is that, you know, and, and the number of guys that I've spoken to that have been given their semen analysis, semen analysis results and the doctor has said, oh, you're fine. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what is fine? You know, and I'll then say to those guys, can I have a look at your results? And actually they're only just fine or they're actually just very slightly under on their morphology or, or their motility. And I think, like say, you get that, fine from a medical professional like, oh well okay well that's all right i haven't got to do anything about it yeah. you know fine doesn't actually always mean fine and there are plenty of guys that have had a perfectly good semen analysis that have got really high dna fragmentation yeah and i think you know with, with your results by the sounds of it where there was low morphology you've got to be thinking okay well why is that you know and i think this is where the system kind of fails men is that if they are suboptimal you know the the route tends to be towards ivf rather than actually saying oh well what's going on with with the sperm, why is it suboptimal? Yeah. Um, the, the difficult thing for us at that point as well was um, where we were living. Um, I think we might even still be in that bracket now, but the postcode that we were living in means we're uneligible for IVF on the NHS. So even, wow. if, even if we wanted to go down that route, um, luckily we have the resources to do it. But if we didn't, and I know a lot of people you know, who may not be able to afford IVF, it's a lot of money to do a round of IVF. Um, oh, good, yeah. We wouldn't have been able to do it. Also, at that point, Eleanor, Eleanor was 32, 32. And the way, even if we were in the bracket, in that postcode bracket, to be able to be eligible for a round on the NHS, I think the waiting, I mean, I don't know, you probably know better than me, but the wait lists for IVF on the NHS are quite substantial. So not only have we waited 16 months to get to that point, we still would probably have to wait another 16 months or however long that was to get our first round. And I think, if, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in order to be eligible, you have to be over 35 on the NHS or something. It, it very much depends where you where you are. Like you say, it's, it's very much depends on the on the postcode. That you know, there's, I think every county now in, in the United Kingdom, you're eligible to some degree of help. But, yeah. you know, certainly where, where you guys live now, obviously, because I know, because I used to see you guys when I was in my acupuncture clinic, we were right on a on a postcode border. So you had some people in Hampshire and some people in Surrey, yeah. which meant some couples could get one cycle and another couple exactly the same age down the road could get three cycles. Yeah. It was just absolutely, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, so, we, so we had that issue. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it, so, and that was another thing on the same call or was it the same day when we spoke to, um, another doctor, another specialist at our clinic, they, they kept talking about, it was unexplained. So this, mm. this unexplained infertility couldn't, I would rather not be told anything than be told we don't know because, because yeah. the, the, and we've been told this numerous times um, from the start. When Eleanor was doing her tests, she went for ovulation tests and all this stuff with the doctors. And we just kept getting told it's unexplained infertility and there's nothing worse than being told. Profession the professionals, just like I was saying before, the GP was saying, don't worry. When a professional tells you you've got unexplained infertility, you, you feel completely lost. You're completely mm. lost. So that was another level of emotion we have to deal with at that time, which is just, just difficult, you know? Yeah, yeah. And kind of, so going back to that that point, and, and I remember our call, us going through your DNA fragmentation. I clearly don't remember what the first thing was that came out of my mouth, but I do remember seeing your response. You know, I saw you become kind of physically kind of deflated. Yeah. 
and and I know you know just so everyone knows you know there was a lot of support that happened after that oh absolutely <laughs> but um Peter in a bad light before um no no you didn't no not at all <laughs> but um you know, what was that like for you? Because you, like say, you've been through these tests, your GP said, hey, you're fine, don't worry about it, you only need one sperm. To then actually get some news that was like, actually, you've got a problem here. How how was that for you? Yeah, it was difficult. Um, I remember doing the call alone with you because I didn't I didn't know what was what I was going to mm. hear from, from you on that call. And I also didn't know how I was going to react. So I actually asked Eleanor if she was going to be out that day. So it was just you and me. So then the, the, the initial reaction for me intrinsically was well, how am I going to tell Alan all this? Because now this is going to, you know, this is going to throw another spanner in the work. So not only does she think that something's wrong with her, which is yeah. all the, there's no other way of saying it. You know, when, when you can't have a baby as man or a woman, you think something's wrong with you. But I've literally found out on that call that, something wasn't right. And I now had to tell Eleanor that we've got another hill to climb. Mm. So that was, it was difficult in that regard. Um, and then the, the, again, I came off the call, even though you told me exactly what, what the situation was currently, we didn't, I didn't really know how to fix it. Also, these things don't just get fixed overnight. You can't just take a pill or, you know, a, yeah. a spoonful of medicine and you're, you're, you've, you've got all your, your results back to where they need to be it was it was going to be a long process so the fact that i'm naturally impatient um, and we'd all mm-hmm. been trying for six to 16 months where the time that time we thought was a long time three and a half years almost down the line now um, without without our child but we, you know, we will get there but yeah at the time it was i think it was just daunting because it, you've been told by one professional in uh, three days before that you have nothing to worry about. And then we speak to you maybe a week or two later, and then I'm thrown, thrown in the deep end with all these results. So I'm getting conflict and emotions. I'm like, who do I believe? Mm. Who do I not believe? Like, um, so it's, to be honest, if I had to put it in one word, I'd just say confusing. It was just super confusing. Yeah. And I guess often with confusion comes overwhelm as well, doesn't it? And kind of often, I think couples end up kind of almost being paralyzed by, the amount of information and i think again this goes back to the education education element for guys doesn't it in that um if nobody's telling you and teaching you this stuff way ahead of trying to conceive when you do get it it is like jesus christ what do i do with all of this stuff yeah, yeah. um so eleanor had that immediate overwhelm when she came back but i think for her it was not relief but I think she was more like, right, what can we do then? Like, what can we do? Because it's not all, the onus isn't all on her. Like, we can we could do this together. We almost felt like we're more of a team because we both got stuff to work on, which was nice. Um, and just as a little side side note, this whole situation has, has brought us so much closer together um, than we ever could have imagined. And, you know, it's... This is this really is, as uh, cliche as this is, it's, it's really is a team effort, especially when... Mm. Um, yeah, the onus just isn't on one person. Even if it was, even if my results all came back fine, it is still a team effort. But the fact that Eleanor could support me in, in my when my results were, and then I can support her, it's really brought us closer together. So if I have to say there's anything, you know, there's definitely positives came out of this. Look, we get we got to meet. We got, we, we're obviously friends now, which is great. And me and Eleanor are closer together. My health is so much better than it used to be. I live a different lifestyle. 
Um, mm. you've, we've got one really important thing about this whole situation is the pos there are positives, guys. There is There are definitely positives that come out of this. It doesn't feel like it. And every day when we're talking about this and that, and it's obviously still daunting if you haven't had your child when you wanted to, obviously that's horrendous and it just, it just does destroy you emotionally. But there are positives come out of this. So we, we, we all just need to, whoever's listening, if anyone's going through the same thing, you just need to try and focus on the positives as much as possible. That's all, all right. I can say. That's a really lovely message. I'm, I'm really grateful that you kind of said that because I think, you know, when you're in the darkest points, when you're in, in the absolute kind of gloom and doom and of it all, and things aren't going great and like, you know, sex is a chore and kind of relationships struggling and, and you're not going out, you're not seeing friends, you're not going for a drink, you know, your life's become pretty insular. It's nice to hear from somebody who's been through it, say, you know what, there are, there are some good things that can come out of this. And there is, you know, I think no matter what happens for any couple, there is life after fertility treatment. 100%. And it's, it's kind of, I'd imagine it's incredibly hard to see that when you're in it. But I think, you know, when you're beyond it, you can look back and it might not be how you envisage things were going to be, but there are, like I say, there are still some positives to take. So I think it's a fantastic message. Thank you. Well, but but the thing is there, you know, like what, I, what I'm saying is I, like, yeah, when, when I'm, when you're beyond it and you have, you have your child and you can look back and you're out of the woods, if you so to speak, then you can look back, but I'm, I'm, talk I'm still in it now. I'm still in the midst. Mm -hmm. I'm still in the thick of it. We still don't know what's going on. Um, we still we're going to be we'll, we're not going to jump the gun, but we um, we're investigating new avenues now. But we're still very much in the thick of it. But if we don't focus on the positives and we don't focus on what good has come out of this journey, then we're not only we're wasting time because, like everyone knows, we've only got one chance of this life. We don't want to look back on the two, three, four years, whatever, however long it takes, and go. We just moped around that whole time. We just were mm. just we just moped around, felt sorry for ourselves, sulking, victim mentality. It's it's not we we've been through that though. I'm not gonna say we didn't do that. We went through that, we've been no. through dips and you know, we've we've gone through moments where we've really struggled with each other, we've argued, we've felt fallen out. It's it, it's happened, but we're now I think we're so far past that now. We we have to we have to really make a, a conscious effort to focus on those positives because there is no other way to be this yeah, either, yeah. either way and go, sorry go on well i was gonna say how did you you know you've talked about kind of your differing lifestyles and certainly kind of life before fertility treatment was very very different for you yeah and then obviously you got the kind of the, the shock of the results how did you how did you turn that around how did you kind of you know say to yourself right okay i need to lose weight or cut down alcohol or go to the gym whatever it was that, that that's kind of made the difference how did you do that you mean the 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 process i went through to kind of change my lifestyle you mean yeah just you know mentally as well i guess kind of you know how uh, I, you know for a guy to receive that sort of information that those sort of results and to know that he's got a he's got to step up and do something about it i it, it's hard yeah. It's not easy, is it, to, to say, right, okay, I need to basically sort my shit out. It's kind of how, how did you do it? Um, well, I, I, th I think, to be honest, it was, it was, there was a lot of, um, had a lot of interesting battles with myself. Um, I've, and I went, I went through, um, 
I went through some difficult times. I was, I think at first, to be honest, Ian, whole hand on heart, I probably even leaned into the drinking and stuff when I found out because mm. um, it it kind of it kind of masked the pain. I wouldn't like to say I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as saying I was depressed. Um, I think I probably would have reached out to someone at that point, but I was definitely very very down, and I was lost. And as much as Eleanor was there for me, and she's there, she's my rock. She's she's always going to be there for me to support me. And she was very much present when this was all going on. She knew that I'd it had affected me. Um, I definitely um, found comfort in getting to the weekend and having a drink and being able to just forget about it. But mm. it, that just made it worse. The the hangovers and the rough Mondays and trying to get get yourself mm. back into the week. It was taking me to the Tuesday, Wednesday after like a big. Uh, drinking session on the weekend to feel good and then it was friday again and i was back to it so i was on i almost went back in like receded into my old lifestyle where and um, for those who don't know a, a dj's lifestyle consists of this you go to you, you go to the airport on the friday and you've got a gig on the friday let's say you fly from uk to spain you play in spain and you fly to croatia on the saturday you play in croatia you may maybe have two shows on the saturday you have a festival in the day and you fly somewhere on the night and then you fly back on the sunday you've probably had about four hours sleep all weekend. You've drank to excess. You've been on planes. So you've got all the compression of the airplanes. You get back on Sunday and you're rough and hungover till maybe the Wednesday. You sort wow. your tunes out on the Thursday and then you're back on the road on Friday. And that could, that, that's, that's the cycle. So I wouldn't say I went straight back into that, that level of it, but I've definitely, I definitely found some comfort in being able to just escape. Um, but that, that, that took its toll. And I, 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 I turned a corner. I can't remember when it was. It was maybe a couple of months after our first conversation. And Eleanor was like, look, we should probably knock the drinking on the head. And that's when we started doing the one, two, three months of just not having a drink. And we'd right. leave back in afterwards, we'd have a couple of drinks, but then we'd, we'd go back into this, this, these periods, maybe a quarter of the year where we wouldn't drink. And then I started going to the gym. I was going to the gym a little bit when we when we started speaking, but not not as religiously as I am now. But then I just started picking it up and started really. I had to take ownership, right? It's this is this is mm -hmm. my body. If I I can't keep running away from it, I think the alcohol was me just running away from my problems. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it was just a gradual progression. It never happened overnight. You know where I am now with my fitness. I'm, you know, I exercise every day, but it was just a gradual prog progression. I started going to the gym two, three times a week, and I was going on. I think at the time I was going on bike rides. I'd go like on a half an hour bike ride, and then we had the, we had Luna, so we had the dog, so we were walking every day with the dog. So I was getting exercise every day, whether it was a walk or a bike ride or going to the gym. Um, and then it just gradually progressed. As I obviously got fitter, I wanted to go to the gym more. And I've realized that the gym was making me feel good. And I was getting these endorphins out. And I was able to I was able to exert stress. And I was getting dopamine hits naturally. And then I started going mm. in the plunge pool. The plunge is just like a year and a half ago, before they were all on Instagram. Um, I started going to the plunge pool at the gym. And that was giving me like a, a real sense, like a real grounding feeling. So I was doing that like every day. And it was just a natural progression. I, f I felt... That it just kind of happened. I just took onus, Ian. I just had to take onus of the situation. Mm. Me, yeah. me doing the same, like it's the definition of insanity is what doing the same thing every day and expecting a different result. And I think I was doing that for quite some time. So things had to change. And also I had to put things into perspective, right? Me, Eleanor was going through all these trials and tribulations with her stuff and she was having to go through the ringer. So I, I was also thinking, why should she have to be making all these sacrifices? 
And even though I've got yeah. these results, why am I not changing my ways? So it definitely was a, a gradual progression, but um, mm. I just took ownership in and just had to, I had to change some of the things I was doing in my lifestyle. Yeah. It's so important that men realize that, that, you know, it, it is in your control, you know, or a lot of it is. But I think the other thing that's running alongside this, of course, was that you went to see a urologist, didn't you? Yes, we did. We went to um, see Dr. Jonathan Ramsey, um, based, mm-hmm. based on your recommendation, I believe. Um, and when that was also another daunting situation, because I think in her head, Eleanor was under the impression that we would just be able to do this naturally. We wouldn't have to go down the IVF route. And I think she'd made yeah. mind up before we'd even before we'd even came to see you. And even after seeing you and getting my results um, and me going to the gym and looking after myself and stop drinking and all that other stuff, she still had it in her head that because obviously we're doing all these things, the right things, that we won't have to go down the IVF route. Mm. Anyway, I went to see a urologist. can't remember exactly when, but it was like, I think it was early last year. Um, and it was January or February last year. And the result, I had, I had the full works, if you want to call it yep. that. I had, um, so I had another fragmentation test, semen analysis. I had um, an ultrasound on um, my testes. I had, um, there's a few things. Um, is it mixy, mixy something? Mix the one to check? Oh, Myoxys. 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 stress. Had that, yeah. had everything. Um, and then we came back two weeks later when the results came back. And um, obviously, unfortunately, the, the verdict from... Uh, Mr. Ramsey, Dr. Ramsey, was that we were made, we, we're probably going to have to look down the IVF route. Now, Eleanor's, um, and Eleanor's initial response, I remember, because we were sat there and she, she started crying in the room. Mm. And that's when I kind of knew that she had, in her head, she'd made a mind up that we, we wouldn't, we're going to have to do this. We're not going to have to yeah. do it on IVF. You know, this, this is not going to happen to us. Um, mm. So you never, people don't ever think it's going to happen to you. It's, it's, it happens to other people. It, yeah, it always does. Always. always people, yeah. Right? But it's never going to happen to you in your life. So that would think that was a bit of a shock to the system for both of us. But it was at that point, I, I really noticed that this is because this is very much a physical thing for Eleanor. You know, I, mm. my job in an IVF cycle is much easier than what Eleanor has to go through and the physical the, the, the extraction of the eggs, all the injections, all that stuff. I think she realized at that point that I'm going to have to go through that. And she's obviously maybe seen stories or heard of friends who've gone through it. And it's very, very invasive. So she then obviously realized that at that point, and then it became very real that this is the route we're going down. So that was daunting um, from the off, to be honest. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah. that was that. And did, did they... Uh... Did the urologist come up with any potential cause for your DNA fragmentation? Sorry, yes, I forgot to mention that. So, um, quite an important bit there, didn't I? So, yeah, um, he on the ultrasound they they came back and noticed that I had um, varicoceles, which mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, is it a buildup of blood vessels around yep. certain points? Yeah, in my uh, testicles. So, those needed to well. They said I had, I think is it 15% of men have one, but never notice. That's never right. Notice. Yeah. See, I'm learning these things here now. I've got like a, yeah. a little encyclopedia on this stuff now. So um, so 15% of men, however, have a varicocele, but because it's small, um, it doesn't affect them. Men don't notice, so it's not an issue. 
I had two. I had one on each side, which was obviously mm. a worst case scenario. Now the heat from the varicoceles, which is a buildup of blood vessels, was essentially destroying the the sperm um, mm-hmm. and making them um, funny shapes or misshapen tails or misshapen heads or whatever. So which is obviously affecting the fragmentation. Mm. So um, he booked. He, he recommended I go and see a um, specialist in London to have an operation to have the varicoceles removed. Now, he was more concerned about one. I think it was the left side was considerably bigger than the other side. But he said he would he would try and remove both of them if he could. Yeah. So I went in for the operation. It was really quick turnaround. But again, you know, look, you know, if we'd have to do it on the NHS, I, God knows how long it would have took. But luckily, I was managed. I was lucky enough to get in two weeks later in London. Um, and they got the, the large one. They managed to find it, but they couldn't find the other one on the other side. But what, what the doctor did say, the surgeon who um, who operated on me said, if um, the results come back after we've done this surgery and your results haven't changed or got worse, we need to get you back in to find yeah. the second one. But it would be a, a complete separate operation, so I'd have to go in for it twice, which wouldn't have been ideal. Luckily, I didn't have to do that because the results, as you know, and we've spoke about, the results did improve. Um, so I had the large varicocele removed and it was successful. And I mean, you tell me, but I think it's been over a year now and I had a, I had a test about five, six weeks ago and the results seem to be still um, on the up. So as far as I'm concerned, the operation's been a success and I haven't had to bring it. For yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, your semen analysis improved. It just shows, doesn't it? So, and, and the reason I kind of prompted you to, to bring up this side of the story is because we talked a lot about the lifestyle and diet and what you've done there. But I think so that's absolutely imperative for any guy to do. And that's the free, easy stuff to do and can have profound effects on sperm health. But you have to do this other side at the same time. You have to get medically investigated to find out if there's other reasons that you're, you know, that you've got high DNA fragmentation and, and poor semen analysis. So you've kind of, as you've kind of said, you know, all of this has been much later than you would have liked, but you've now done it almost in a textbook way. You said, right, okay, let's sort my lifestyle diet out. Let's get investigated. Let's do the tests. And you've repeated those tests. And here we are. Let's say now you're kind of year, year and a half on since that kind of first um, appointment with the urologist or, or whatever it was. Yeah. And actually things are looking good. Yeah. Um, and you're in, for me, fertility wise, you're in a much better, and, and mentally, emotionally, you're in a much better place. Every In every way, Physically, I'm in a much better place. So obviously my results in regards to my sperm and fragmentation are great. Now, there's a it's a bit of a catch-22, that though, because although my results have improved drastically and I'm happy that you know, there were lifestyle changes in the operation, that operation obviously clearly had a, an impact. All those things have, have been successful. Unfortunately, that puts the burden back on Eleanor a little bit more, yeah. which... Again, catch twenty two, right? Because I'm relieved, but now mm. it's a little bit extra pressure for Eleanor, um, which she definitely felt. She definitely felt that because when I told her, it was kind of bittersweet because she was mm. on the moon. In fact, she was pushing me to get this fragmentation test for a little while because I hadn't had one, hadn't had one since before we started the IVF cycle. So this was, I think, just February this year. She said you should probably do one because if we're going to do other investigations i want to know that your results are still the same or or not better yeah so when you know she, she's all she knows she 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 got me in for this test i did the test and she she seemed very 
happy for me, but also at the same time, she realized straight away that, right, this is this is a this is something to do with me now because yeah, you know, it it raises another question mark, doesn't it? And it's kind of I think that's what you have to do sometimes with fertilities. You've got to go through all of these hoops, and you've got to check things off almost and say, okay, right, okay, we've done that bit, we've done that bit, right, we now know those bits are okay, uh, but actually, have we done this bit and have we done that and and some of that's going to be male side, some of that's going to be female side. And yeah, the nature of the beast is a okay. So you kind of seemingly you've got a clean bill of health now from the from the sperm health side. So it does unfortunately raise a question mark for your partner yeah. for Eleanor as to okay, is there something else that we've missed on that side? So now you've got to go and find what's going on there. So yeah, yeah, it's a real kind of roller coaster, isn't it? And kind of a seesaw of emotions for for both of you. Yeah, it really is a seesaw of emotions, um, and. It, you feel like, especially for me, I, when I got when I get the results, like I got the results in February this off of March this year, and I was over the moon, then instantly sad because yeah because you, the the journey's not over by any stretch, you know. No. Even though you've got you've ticked that box, like you you put it, you've ticked that box, and that's like clean bill of health, clean bill of health. But then that opens another two or three doors. So you close one, you mm. open two more doors. So um, we're not getting disheartened about it, though. We, we, as I say to Eleanor, every day that goes past is one day closer to us getting our baby. And we know that. And every time we, we, we tick one of these boxes, it's it's just ruling things out, right? It's just ruling these yeah. things out as we go. And that's really positive. So like I said before, so focus on the fact that we've got to open more doors. Let's focus on the fact that we, we've ruled that out and now we can we can move on and move on to the next the next objective yeah yeah and what is next for you guys so we were gonna so let me just skip back so we we did two rounds of ivf um because of my results we we were advised to do ICSI, whereas which is where mm-hmm. they take the individual sperms out and put sperm and put them in the egg um i think i think even though my results on the first cycle um, that we did my sperm results came back that day and they said that based on these results, this is another thing that obviously I was buzzing about at the time, but that's not ideal, but um, for Eleanor, the results came back and they said, because of these results, based on these results, we would normally do normal IVF with these, with these results on sperm, mm-hmm. but because of your previous results, we are still going to do ICSI, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did one fresh cycle, which was just, I mean, just seeing what Eleanor had to go through, like with the surgery and as, as in getting the eggs extracted, all the injections and stuff was, mm. was very, very it's brutal. It really is brutal. It's just for her because you also, as a man, you feel helpless. You don't really know what to do or you can't, mm. you can be there, you can be there emotionally, but you can't really be, do anything because all the physical onus is on her. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, the, the first cycle we did, Eleanor, we got a positive result. And then a week later, we found out that we'd lost it. So it was very early, um, which was devastating because I think we would have preferred just not to have a positive. Yeah, I think that's almost the cruelest outcome, that one. Because you have this massive elation and mm. in such a, such a short space of time. Because we've been waiting three years for this. And then yeah. in a week, it just got snatched from us. And then you think that's the worst thing that could happen. And then we have another cycle a few months later and very similar thing but a little bit sooner we hadn't we had a positive and then 
it was actually two or three days later we found out that it, it wasn't so it was um it was brutal so this is the situation we're in now is we were we could do another round of ivf and just you know you know just it's almost like throwing you know what against the wall and seeing what sticks <laughs> yeah which it it's it, it's expensive. It's it's not it's not something you can just keep throwing money at, especially if you don't you don't know yeah. what's going on. So, what we've decided to do based on Eleanor is again Eleanor's investigation. Bless her, she's she's done all the, the the legwork on this. She has friends and friends of friends who have discovered that they have had something called natural killer cells. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what it is, and I've, I have to nowhere near as much investigation as Eleanor, but. Um, you might be able to touch on this, but let, let me just tell you where we are. So instead of going straight down another cycle of IVF, we're actually going to another clinic, um, which was recommended by our current clinic to investigate whether Eleanor has these, what's called natural killer cells. Um, so we, we're going for our next consultation next week, first consultation next week. And that will, um, we're probably gonna get some tests that day. Based on those results, then we'll know which route to go down, but um, it's, it, I'd, essentially it's another another investigation we're going down before we do anything else yeah. and the annoying yeah. thing is not annoying thing but um the thing is about this this route that we're going down is we we're not allowed to try naturally we're not allowed to do anything mm. so this just means we're waiting again yeah waiting. yeah and that's like another cruel part of this isn't it? it's the waiting and waiting and the time it takes yeah. Yeah. So so that's where we are at the moment. So we're we're gonna go have our consultation next week and then see what the, the specialists there say. But um at the moment we're we're still very much in it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that I personally am absolutely rooting for you guys and, and anyone listening to this will we'll all be rooting for you. So uh Jackie Eleanor, we wish you all the best with your future treatment and and thank you so much for kind of sharing your story and being so open and honest. I think it's yeah. I think all these stories help men massively, hugely appreciated. Pleasure's mine. I hope that this uh, conversation can reach even at least one person, if it can help them to, to realise that they're not alone on this journey and that there's many other people um, around the world going through the same thing and offer some comfort. That's, that's a win as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, thanks for having me.